There we are. We're spe- miss meeting oh, is that, being recorded. Those Dulcet, that Dulcet announcement of uh, it, it, it doesn't get old, does it? You know, hearing zo- the Zoom lady say in her robotic voice that this meeting is being recorded. Um, yes. Hello, Lee. How are you doing? I'm very well, Chris. I am very well. Uh, it's been, you know what, um, a reasonable week, but I've I've hit some achievements with exercise, so I feel I feel very happy. I mean, that does sound good. Are you, are you, you're still running, I'm I'm guessing. Yeah, I am running, and I have from from couch to five k, and basically no fitness and. I don't think that's an exaggeration to say that prior to that, I had not exercised. It's one of those things. It's like playing with my kids. It feels like, you know, like, you know, I was getting out of breath. Right. It wasn't exercise. Now I'm running, catch the 5K, started at the beginning of the year, smashed that. Now I'm doing 10K and I'm getting to do some trail running as well. So I am, I am loving it. This week, this week I've got a real good kilometer count. So I've, and it's nice. You know what I really like as well? Getting out in the rain. I actually like running in the rain. Running in the rain is nice, actually, because it's it's like instant cooling down, isn't it? So Yeah. But for June, maybe I shouldn't like that so much because no. it should be warmer. It should Let's be a lot warmer. It. Yes. I think what, what about you, Chris? I, I, hear, I hear you've been back at football. So Yes. You know, I mean, like... So um, we, I, I played two games of football, uh, six aside. Our first game, we lost 12-2. <laughs> Sorry, was that the time you played? <laughs> Twelve to what? No, no, that that was that was the score. Although uh, it would be worth saying that uh, I did score a glorious goal with my my left foot. One of the, the only two goals that my team scored. I thought you were um, going to say one of the twelve with the other team scored. Yeah, <laughs> could have been worse. <laughs> could have been worse. And then the second game I played, um, we didn't score a goal, and they scored so many goals that we couldn't even keep count. So. It, all in all, it's not been a good start, um, but, you know, hope springs eternal and I'm a very optimistic person. And so what I realised is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with this. I enjoy playing football. The, the last time I played football, I was, uh, I think, in my very early 20s. So, um, yeah, so I haven't played football in about 15 years properly, you know, apart, apart from a kick around at the park. Um, so I'm I'm pretty terrible at anything that involves running really so I, I but it's good for me so i'm gonna i'm gonna do this so i so you're running i'm playing football i think this is like a yes thinking i don't know i don't know what it's thinking coaching or something like that that'd be kind of cool uh we can talk about exercise but we're not going to talk about exercise today lee of course we are going to talk about well before we talk about our topic today we are of course going to talk about membership let's talk about membership off you go, Chris. Tell well, me more about as you will as you will be aware from last week when I told you the news here on the podcast, and you had no idea. Um, we it's worth saying right now. I have no new news to for you. So what you're going to hear today, you've already heard me say, Lee. So, but this to say, beta version is live, which means that we have a membership membership site. We have 95 lessons already. Uh, done which is going to help you with all sorts of areas of strategy like mission statement like discipleship strategy leadership development strategy values uh vision setting 
goal setting, all this kind of stuff. We've all got them already available. So uh, we put our membership, which our membership site is going to go fully live on the uh, 1st of September. But we kind of put the, the beta page live now and you can get it for uh, £39.99 per month, which is a great price. And so it's really worth thinking about going for. Go to our website, www.thinking.church slash membership dash pre dash sale and uh, you will find out all that you want all you can need to and you can sign up there as well and uh, it, it's great you get to, you get all of the resources on there there's also a community page so you can chat with other church leaders and church thinkers and all that kind of stuff and uh, that's that's something we, we want to build and something we're passionate about as well and uh, yeah so there, there we are Lee what what are your thoughts on this tell me your no. thoughts I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to tie in an exercise kind of thing. It's like a gym membership for your church. That's what yeah. this is like. Yes, it gives it gives you access to stuff as you need it, when you need it, and sometimes you'll go and you know the kind of workout you want to do will vary depending on what you're trying to achieve at any point in time. But you know, there's some things that you always revisit, and you know you've got new people coming on, you've got new members. It allows you to get some consistency with those you're working with. You get to watch and view some stuff. And it's kind of evergreen topics. It's the stuff that, you know, we're, we're covering most of the stuff that, you know, the principles of how to do aren't changing. And now it, you've just got access. You're paying for access. And that that's the bit, you know, and the reasonable cost itself, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's covering like you know all of the all of the, the making and the creating and the hosting and the delivery but like think of it like it's like a gym membership for your for your team uh when it comes to like how you do church and actually that is part of it we keep saying it's about keeping healthy so let's keep this metaphor going it's yeah, about staying healthy um you know growth growth comes as a result of that but let's go for the you know this is about you know what can you have that's you know, you know, a strategy day and calling people in can be can be costly. This is a way to just you know get materials to you that you can. It's almost like that Netflix as well. Like you could you could watch a bunch of them or you could rewatch one of them. Like it's totally up to you. It's a choose your own adventure way of doing strategy and uh, renewal and all of the things that come in as part of uh, operating your church organization. Yeah, I think that's a great way to think of it. Uh, it is a it's a gym membership for your church. It's going to help your church get fit, get healthy. Uh, so yeah, that's why we created it. That's why we run it. And and why would you not want to to have that for your church? And actually, this, it probably leads perfectly onto our uh, our theme for today, our topic for today, because we're going to be talking about what's stopping church leaders from really getting to the important stuff. So the important stuff like setting vision and setting strategy and. Uh, developing new leaders and all those kind of things the things that you i think there's things that church leaders always want to do and mm. there's never enough time to do it why have to in fact i was sat uh with my pastor simon jarvis and he uh he works with uh the denomination my church is part of and he says he says the thing is chris many church leaders just is finding the time to do it and uh, they know it's necessary, but it's what there's something that stops them from wanting to take the time to get their church healthy to work on these things. So we're going to think about those kind of things and try and get into the the pastor's shoes today. So we we've got three reasons 
each that we we think that can be reasons to stop you from getting to the really important things and then obviously within each one we'll kind of talk about what we can do to change it as well so lee do you want to introduce your your first one yeah so my, my first one we'll all we'll all have recognized it in fact we touched on it already and um, thing that stops a leader getting to you know the stuff they should be doing getting involved in stuff that does not require them and that's the kind of like you know something comes up and they're going around the building adjusting the position of posters they're uh you know it's either kind of that you know the, the micro level stuff and they're getting involved in things that could have been that probably are being done by other people but they're still too involved um, Tony Morgan, guy, leads the Unstuck Group in the States, friends of ours here at Thinking Church. Um, you know, we've walked quite a long journey uh, with them in, in our own development. But he, he wrote he wrote a book several years back called Killing Cockroaches, which was about this, where leaders get involved in stuff that they shouldn't be getting involved with. OK, and it's that thing of, you know, at what point should you um, be letting other people do it? letting people have the opportunity to do it um, and, you know, passing it, you know, passing it or building team and letting other things happen. So it speaks a little bit to kind of like the control, but mostly it's like, actually, if you keep getting involved in the weeds and some of this stuff, you are never able to go up and take that 40,000 foot view and actually have oversight into the implementation, the direction, the strategy and the decision-making of where you want to be and you know it's then they get that focus where it's too much about bridging the gap to the future state rather than like what can change in the moment the flips of where you are so it's like you know like now and next are actually two sides of the coin of what we're doing in the moment so like what does it what 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 does that look like and i think yeah too many leaders just get bogged down in such either detail or even worse, they do it as a way of procrastinating from doing the big job. That's the other thing. You know, almost creating yourself busy work. So you can say, I've been busy, but you didn't get to do what you should have been doing. Yeah. Like, let stuff go. Don't get involved. A crooked chair, a misaligned poster is not going to end the world. So don't go getting stuck in that raise it at some other point that's more appropriate and don't put it on your own stack of to-do. Otherwise, you're always dealing with the urgent and you never get to what's planned. You should be living in the far top right of the planned quadrant, looking at like what's future and next. And yeah, to do that, you've got to let go of some of the other stuff. That's basically it. Yeah, I'm, so I'm trying to think, like, why is it? Because I, I think that there might be some, you know, what are the reasons why someone's going to be getting involved with, you know, the chairs or whatever it is? I remember a good story uh, that my father-in-law is sits on a uh, the, uh, the senior team at my church, and he talks about how they ended up having a conversation about uh, what light bulbs should be used in the church. And at that point, he said, "Hang on a minute, I don't think we should be having this discussion at this table." And uh, but it's so easy for these decisions yeah. to end up getting into and they end up getting pushed up and up and up or you kind of go reach down and think, no, no, that's my decision to make. And I, I think there's part of it where 
we all start you know everyone starts on the ground level at the uh at the doing level at the level of you know working ministry and 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 really um you you're involved a lot and you're the ground level you're working with people and i think there's a thing of that you know and that's why people go into ministry because they're really passionate about working with people or they really you know all those kind of things really really they get invested in and so what happens mm. is is because because then when you become a pastor you don't want to lose any of that stuff because you you know that's the stuff that got you interested in the first place you know whether it's youth work or kids work or uh worship team or all those kind of things or you know maybe you're you know you, you just worked on the you know welcome team and worked with tea and coffee or something like that and you can suddenly want to get involved in all these small minute areas and it's really hard to like you said fly instead of a you know a hundred feet or fly at ground level or which is just walking just walk <laughs> Instead of walking, you need to be flying at 30,000 feet, seeing the whole land, see this, see it all together. But you you like that stuff. And you and it's I think it's hard for church, some church leaders to say, no, I, I, I need to let that go because I think they like some of it. I think it's yeah. not, I don't think often it's it's not they don't have people to give it to. I think they just like it. Yeah. And it is that is that connection back to what they do. Um but I mean, I think this this probably touches on, but for both of us, our first few points, because I think they, realistically, the reason you're not getting to it is there's probably a Venn diagram of all of our points today. You know, like stuff isn't getting done and you could put any number of overlapping circles. Because so I think this is the next thing. Well, I say the next thing. This is not a point. This is not one of the one to six. But is that um, I don't think it's ever just one thing. And I think yeah. it, actually this is your first one, isn't it? This is uh, it, it is that when it, you your your the focus goes to multiples, and yeah. that becomes it. God, Chris, let let me let, let, right, touch on like where are we at. Well, if we said that the first one you said was getting in, involved with things that that don't require you, I thought the first one for me was that it's not focusing on on the right things because I think there's there's a subtle difference to that there's there's the getting involved but then there's the other thing where it's even if you have the time you cannot focus on the right things now um there was something that's that you and i worked on lee um a couple of years ago and we created these kind of four areas of church life of church work that mm. you you do so that the, at the ground level is what we class as doing that's the you know that's when you you're pouring the tea or you're strumming the guitar or you know you're working on the friday night at the youth group that's the doing it's the doing area of it of church life and that's where we all start we all start by doing and that's great and that's the that's the part we get stuck the next level up from that is management that's when you start to lead a team and you're man you're starting to manage people and and you're starting to work on that and there's a there's management and i think a lot of church leaders can get stuck in management mode where they're even you know they're they think well I'm not doing all the doing you know they, this person's doing the doing but what they're doing is they're they're still on on they're doing they're managing it so they're still actually there on site working with a team managing the whole thing they're managing the Sundays they're doing a lot of that work and I think a lot of church leaders do get stuck in management mode management is great and we need management nothing gets done without effective management 
But I think for a church pastor, they need to try and move as much of the management to other people, especially. I think we all recognize that the doing needs to go for to other people, to volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the manage, management as much as possible. There should be very little management in your job as a church leader, very little management. In fact, I'd probably say the people, the, the management you should do should be only managing your immediate team. And that's, yeah. and that's just and that's I, people management. Yeah. I've heard that being like no more than the kind of like three to five people that you oversee. Yeah. And I think that, that, that probably fits. Although I'm, I'm going to, I, in, going to challenge a little bit we're gonna have a rebuttal chris oh, uh, in, to, to my point so I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna talk a little bit about my second one is like is the answer to yours about focus because um so my second one was around is around control issues and lack of trust okay yeah. which i think ties in really well with the um management or yeah not focusing on the right things okay and i think that sometimes it you have to be wary when, you know, management of doing something is, is a well-constructed term that we understand in most in most situations. And it is just the oversight of the doing or the delivery of something. Yeah. But when that touches on um, lack of trust or it's because you've got your own control issues that you actually create like it becomes dogmatic. So. <clears throat> Is the goal to have 10 chairs in this exact position in this line, or is the goal just to have 10 chairs out? And you know what I mean? Like that very subtle difference where somebody putting 10 chairs out, looking at it going, I've nailed it, there's 10 chairs out, that 99% of people entering the building don't care about. But if you're looking at it going, no, that one's got the dodgy clip on it, always has to be on the left. And this one here is like that because of that. And it has to march up to this tile that you end up with that, you know, that 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 control issue. You're telling somebody that they, they're like, it, it, it's setting something that person is never going to achieve. But also when it becomes that dogmatic about how you're putting that in place or you create a policy or a procedure around it to make sure it happens the way that it has to happen, you, you make it a parent-child relationship. Whereas actually, yeah. these are these are adult to adult relationships. What are the and we talk about the guiding principles? If if that's something that you care about, you need to be able to articulate the why they should care about it, not why they have to the ABC of doing it this way. Nobody needs a manual of the ABC of chair layout in church halls, right? That that is a bit silly. But the why do we position chairs the way we position them in church? You know, to create, you know, space for the person that's speaking. It's the best layout if you want visibility of the screens or that. If you engage them, you never know. You might come up with a novel solution or something that you didn't see. Here's the best bit about it. If they do do that, you have no ownership of it and you don't have to think about it because it will just happen. Yeah, and I think that's I, what, what we'd really want. I think that's, ideally, I think that's what, well, that's the thing. I think the trust issues do come in because I think there yeah. is a worry for church pastors when they let go of an area. Have they, you know, signed off an area of their church and they don't feel like they control it? And I think that's the that's where it comes down to security thing, but also working with that person. That yeah. And and if you if you feel like I can't give that away to that person because I'll give away 
half my church and I won't feel like I'm leading the church anymore. In one sense, that's actually true because your job isn't to run the whole church. Your job is to actually just lead a small group of people who roll who run the whole church. And you're to, you're, so actually it may be thinking about it in a completely different way. Your job isn't, your job isn't to run the whole church. Your job is to provide leadership for the church. And that's a yeah. very different emphasis. And so if you can focus it on people who are going to take large areas of your church, then yeah, the how is not that important as to the why. If you can always talk yeah. about the why and so, you know, and the what I think is important, what, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is, and you know, talking about goals and objectives and all that kind of thing, um, but it's it's always so that the purpose and the objectives. If you can be, be clear on those, how the person goes about and and, and does it, that's and that's, and that's it. But I I think it gets away from that cult of leadership where the leader is only the one person at the top. If you set this up, the decision making should comfortably be happening where the information is. Yes. And if that's happening, then everybody is leading. Yeah, that's right. We, okay. I mean, in, if we get that right, and so, you know, let's extrapolate that. So let's say that some you give leadership of a whole area, let's say the welcome team, for instance, to someone. and But then let's say they do that the same with the next layer down. So they say, right, I'm not going to hoard the leadership all myself and then dictate from just that that point you know the departmental level they're going to do that with okay someone's going to be i'm going to get someone in charge of the teas and coffees and someone in charge of the you know the different teams the, the sub teams that fit in suddenly you're, you're pushing that decision making down and so you're not again mandating again you're just stewarding those people you're leading those people you become a, a people leader you're just equipping those people you're coaching them and then the decision gets pushed down again. And then you can just keep going until you hit the the doing level. And that's I think that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah, it you you're never going to get if you if you because if you've got to put that level of description into everything you pass out, your 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 folk your focus is on the wrong thing because you are just working out how to make everything a list, everything a tick box, everything a check. Yeah, and if you do that, you'll never be able to go up a level into looking at other stuff. You are forever stuck in the weeds. And I think you know, the, you know, these these first three that we've talked about between us is that is is the first Venn diagram. It's you know, like you know, lack of trust, lack of focus. You know, like they that that's that's where it all that's where it all 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 comes in. Um, it, that's like you know, and how not to be involved in things that require you. But I think there's something of the the moment people can engage in the purpose of what you are doing because they're the person closest to the information like doesn't need to bring a leader down and into what is happening like so you know if there is a problem in the car park if there is a problem with the stage if there is a problem with just the finance primarily the solution has to be driven from where the people have that information now, the why we have to make a decision in a particular direction is my now my responsibility is the person kind of like with say the oversight of the entire thing. But the actual outworking of it, because there's always going to be, there's never going to just be one option. Very unlikely there's, you know, just sort of like, well, there's only A we can do, you know, and if there is, then why was it ever an option? You should have just done it. Um, but if there's that, 
let those people make that decision. And then it, it frees you to just do the, is that decision in this direction? That's a much healthier conversation, but it also allows us to be surprised um, by the novel things. And that, that's what, yeah, we want to get away. From, and it all, If people are already there and people want to be part of it, I doubt they're trying to fight against you. And only if you have control issues and lack of trust will it seem like they're trying to do something um, not how you would do it. Yeah. So, you know, actually, if you trust them, then they, they're, they're going to make decisions in that, in that way. And you, you're like, yeah, they're not trying to upend the ministry. They're not trying to cause a problem. Like they are genuinely off, you know, making decisions and doing things. But, you know, we, we don't do very well with failure in those environments. Uh, or I say failure, but, you know, you know, if it doesn't happen the way that I want it to happen, is it, is it the wrong thing? And I think this is where, you know, we, we talk a lot about the mission being, you know, the why. And that's really important because it provides that context. And if, you, if you're always talking about the why, that's really important. We've talked about the objectives being giving the what for people, and but the how for them to work out themselves. But the how between that is, is your... Your guiding principles which we talk, touched on already a little bit or your, your values that we might we describe them as we, we call them values because that's what people refer to them but we actually have they're really more like principles rather than values and so yeah. there's principles and so as long as people work as people as long as people have a clear sense of the why they understand what's been, been trying to be achieved in the objectives and the principles are kept to it's always going to be done in the way you're going to do it as long as they adhere to the uh, the principles that's that's actually all you need so I think for church leaders we could just take a you know the, this is why I think these things are so important you know when we talk about you know getting a mission statement it's so much more than just a slogan and getting great objectives is so much more than just you know trying to hit numbers and principles is mo much more than just you know clever little statements of ways we like to do things they're actually critical to being able to release a leader to be able to give you the time to do the most important things. So you can yeah. actually, by setting these things, you can you give yourself the gift of time because now you can you know that you can delegate really, really well, empower really, really well, whatever that term is, do that really, really well, so that then it's freeing you up to do the most important things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So following on from that, Chris, because there's a bit there and I'm going to say, is this your second point? Is the expectation of the leader, the pastor, the person in charge? Yeah. I say, in, you know, I say in charge, but, you know, let, let, let's loosen this up because there's some there's some horrible speak here of like, you know, we like to say they're in charge. It's like actually that expectation is can be damaging. Because yeah. it also puts the leader on a pedestal and exposes them to so much stuff. But like, you know, so you know, tell me, like, why 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 is expectations of a pastor of a leader? Why 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 does that stop this level of um getting to the right things? And you know, what what other catches does that does that does that bring about? Yeah, I think the this the when we think about the expectations of a pastor, there's the the first level of it. I think is that I think we there are many congregants that have an expectation that a pastor will be there for them 
that they will pastor them. And I think this is where I've been starting to wonder whether we should stop using the term pastor, because I think it sets an expectation. When you say pastor, it's the someone is going to shepherd me and care for me and look after me, care for me, be there for me whenever I need it. And that, that for a church, even at a modest size, is impossible. You can't be there for that many people. I think a better way to think about it is the whole body of Christ is supposed to have the giftings of, you know, apostle, prophet, pastor, shepherd, teacher, uh, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. I've gone through them. apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Yes. And to say that the the, the person who is the, and that, you know, that's the APEST framework, which is, you know, well known in other circles. And and we've often thought of that that's only held by the leadership. I think that's something that's the responsibility of the whole body of Christ. So that means that the, the job of pastoring people should be found at all levels, as it were, of the organization. And the person who is the pastor may not actually be a pastor. And even if they are a pastor, they should only be pastoring a very small group of people, which is the people that they're leading. And so I think it's probably, it, but we have this expectation that when someone is a pastor, we have, you know, you could have 50, 100, 150, 500 people that think that the pastor is going to meet them and the pastor is going to be there if they're in a crisis or the pastor is going to, you know, sort food rotors out for when they have a baby or something like that. And we have that expectation falls on them. And it's really hard to, you know, when someone wants a meeting or there's a phone call in a crisis, it's really hard to say no. And you just get caught up in these these things as a pastor so I think that's what one level of it and uh, that I think that's that can happen a lot at smaller churches the other part of it I think is that um that when you're a pastor you often you know a lot of pastors are paid to do that job many pastors are full-time and so what you think is I'll do it because I've got the time you know I'm I'm paid I'm paid mm-hmm. to do these I'm, I'm paid to do the jobs that people don't want to do those kind of things so you you feel like to to justify your your salary that you need to start doing these things because because oh, well you know I am paid to do it so I am paid you know I'm paid to to look after the church so I'm, I'll I'll go and fix the chairs and I'll go and, and you can end and it's it's just a mindset that's 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 wrong and I think it's the expectations I think that in this case that the pastor puts on themselves rather than that's put on from an external of what the congregation expects of you the pastor thinks oh well i'm paid to do this so I, I i should pick that up i should be the one that's you know coming out at 3 a.m when the you know when the fire alarm's going off or something you know like those kind of things that can happen in church life but actually we need to we need to rethink what the the church leader's role is and i'm trying to use church leader more than pastor nowadays because i think it, that's again it takes these expectations off that a church leader's role is is should be at the upper ends and we, we I, I explained the the first two areas of doing and management with the first two levels but i think the pastor should be focusing on the the, the top two levels the, the last two which we haven't talked about the first one is content creation uh, which is a kind of that's kind of the layer two if we're going up from the bottom content creation so that's working on you're um, creating amazing content on uh, for your preach for online. They're really, really important, and the, and the pastor should be spending way more time doing that than on the management and the doing. Uh, but even more important than that is vision setting, and that's the mm. the most important job of a church leader is setting vision. And vision leads into content. 
because it always, you know, if you've got a great vision, then you've got to create content to bring that to life. Then to bring that content to life, you've got to manage it. And then to and then to, you've got to manage the doing. So it all flows together. But you should be spending more time on the vision setting and the content creation and then getting volunteers to be doing the management and the doing. And so you're trying to bring this flow throughout. So it always goes through those four stages. Whatever you do, if you want to bring something out, it's going to start at vision because you've got to you've got to have the bandwidth to be able to do that. So it's, it's worth thinking about how can you create that time in your week so that you can spend your time doing that and, and actually make changing the expectations. When we think about expectations, that the expectations of the pastor should be that they spend their time on vision setting first and content creation second, that, that their expectation is not to be managing or doing. I think if we can reframe that uh, better for church leaders, it will just free them up to not have to say yes to every single meeting uh, or every single pastoral visit or to say uh, yes to fixing the chairs or, or whatever, that actually their, their job is vision setting primarily. Yeah. So I've got, I've got on the back of that, out of context, maybe, I'm going to throw it in anyway. Throw it in. Um, I want to put in, um, and I, I think I've mentioned it before on here, but I just want to reread my favourite quote, okay, which is one that I kind of live by, and I think it sums up what you've just said, but also how to get out of the weeds. And it's, um, if I remember how to say his name, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Um, yeah, that name. <laughs> yeah. Is, um, well if said. you want to, <laughs> yeah, bear with me. Um, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Yeah. And there's that bit where actually, if you get bogged down in the weeds as a, a in, in any church role, you are forever drumming people up to fill rotors. Yeah. to lay out chairs, to set stuff up, um, to, you know, yeah, right. But actually, if you get the other bit right, and we set them up to long for the immensity of the sea, then they they understand that that other stuff needs to happen to get to that. Yeah. And that's and so if you, re, if you yeah. yeah, if you rephrase that as like, you know, if you want to build a ship, don't draw. If you want to build a church... And church is the collective of people, not the building. But it's, so if you want to build that level of community, you know, don't drum up people to fill rotors, do car park, tea and coffee, kids work. Teach them to long for the endless immensity of what Christ can do through them. Yeah. And you could be surprised. And that 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 for me would be kind of like where most leaders could just stop thinking about the things that need to happen for this display of what Sunday can look like or whatever other activity we're doing. I'm not sure people always care. Like when people come around my house to host people in my house, I like having people around. Why? Because I like having friends and slightly more extrovert and I like just relaxing and chilling with people, right? It's great. I also like coming around and having people in the conversation. We like doing all sorts of things together. 
I never once think about when they come round, who's putting the kettle on. Yeah. It's a given. Like, at some point, we're going to raid the fridge or make a delivery order. Do you know what I mean? Like, because what do you do? It's like, oh, we haven't had a drink in a while. Do you want a drink? It's like, there's, yeah. I, and I'm sure that, that that spills into it, that some of those things become inconsequential because they're part and parcel of just people who already know that that stuff needs to happen. Now, obviously, like, you know, in terms of like legal structure or, you know, the actual operating, there are some things that you really have to hang on. Yeah. But realistically still, as long as that all ties into that endless immensity, that desire and longing for the sea, everybody is set with something and knows what to do in the next moment. Um, and that's where I would, I would try to place it. I was going to say anchor it, but that would be a terrible pun. <laughs> Could you just give that, that quote again? Yeah. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. I think, I mean, I just, I love that. But I think what it makes me think is that, that you know, that pastors need to do that job. You know, when we talk about the, get people to long for the endless immensity of what Christ can do through them. And that means that the church leader's time primarily needs to be spent in that longing and in that wonder and actually be given that time. You know, there's a, the beginning of Acts, um, the uh, the apostles say, we can't be waiting on tables. We need to spend time in prayer and uh, and teaching the word. And there's that thing where you think, well, prayer sounds sounds good and teaching the word sounds good. I think the prayer thing is, is that's what creates that immense longing for the kingdom of God to come on earth. Yeah. You know, that, so actually that is, I would put that in. So for me, when, you know, when you read that in scripture, I, I don't put that in the doing category. I put that in the vision setting category because it's, it's only in, you know, when you have time in prayer and you have time in reflection and you've got time in planning those things. And, you know, we, we kind of work in the planning zone of those things, but we, we absolutely recognize the other two elements of those you know the, the 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 prayer element of it and the reflection element of it are so crucially important and for church leaders like spend way more time than you than you currently do in prayer reflection and planning because if you can get those things uh those three things as your primary job role that you'll take your church much further than if you spend your time sorting rotors and fixing chairs yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Lee, let's go on to your, your third point. Um, so my, my, my third one, again, kind of encompasses on some of the previous things, but can be an issue in its own right. Overly hierarchical structures. That's everything from if you're on a team that's doing delivery, seen at the bottom of a pyramid, that there's like, you know, 10 layers before you get a decision made, you know, like, and everything always has to be passed up. It's like, what on earth are you doing? Like, that's, that's ridiculous. You can't operate like that. Or if there is literally a committee for everything, like, what are you doing? Like, I've, yeah, I've witnessed this. It's 
So like, you know, there's hierarchical in terms of the number of layers you have to go through to get a decision. And you're always waiting on the next meeting. And then there's an agenda list, which is like, goodness knows what, that you'll never get to rather than like, you know, regular access to get the feedback that you need to make a decision where you are um, or the ability for someone to say, here, make the decision. So yeah, overly hierarchical structures, either multi-layered or multi-committee um, that just thwarts progress, really. It absolutely puts... It, 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 it creates paralysis within the organisation. Um, and I think you just, you just, everything is stuck with some level of status quo. Yeah. And you never really get to push beyond and you're always waiting and it seems safe. I think that's the thing is that it looks good that you've got all these checks and balances in place. But, but, but really like, you know, does it need that on like everything? Because it turns, and we've spoken about this one before, it turns everything into those bike shedding moments, you know, where the same amount of detail and looking over is given to what colour you're about to paint a door or paint the bike shed as it is to doing something like choosing a new accounting package. And it's like, did it really need that? Did it really need that? Um, so, yeah, over-hierarchical structures, too many committees, um, layers of bureaucracy and red tape that doesn't allow you to get focused on the stuff that you should be looking at and getting to that looking looking for the, the the future looking at what the next step is and how you're going to do that with the people around you and yeah that that's mm. you all recognize it you all know what I'm on about in fact many of us even in small churches even in those that think they're particularly flexible still on occasion get hierarchical and yeah. and so that's the one just watch for it well see i'm so the i mean it's not i don't think this is a rebuttal because i think this is probably just bringing context to what you're going to say um i i'm not against hierarchy um and and i think how we is the problem is how we think about hierarchy what we think about yeah. hierarchy is, is just as you said you know you know if you want to make a decision the decision's got to go all the way up to the top and it's got to flow all the way back down and all of that time is just wasted time so you know to change a light bulb or something like you know it, you paint paint the color of a shed or whatever and and that i think is when hierarchy works really poorly because it's just it slows the operation up it stops things from happening it actually takes the decision away from the people who actually probably know what needs to happen the best. Uh, I think when hierarchy is working well, hierarchy is that you, is a, a good hierarchy is, is how I describe it as a functional hierarchy. Things mm. need to function together. And if things need to function together, then you need to have someone who's going to be able to see it from that the, the perspective of the whole. And then there's a greater whole, which would be the whole church. So, you know, let's say you've got your worship team, your production team, and your welcome team they are all the facets working together of your sunday service so that means that it makes sense to have someone who is looking at the whole sunday service that's how, like that's the function they mm. all work together all, it's all the sunday service and of course that is only a subset of the whole church and so that goes into the whole the you know the the senior leader of the church 
Um, so I think if we get rid of that, because I think that's the the, worry, the the problem is, is that, and you see it in a lot of businesses, they try and go really flat. But all that happens is, is that it actually can make things worse because they're not, people aren't starting to see yeah. things from, from the whole. So I think that there's, so there is a good element to hierarchies, but it's how can we stop that thing where it, the decision goes up, the decision comes back down. And I think, yeah, again, and it's... I think- on that one though, when it when the decision goes up and comes back down, it's less hierarchy and more just like a vertical pole. It's just one, yeah. one, 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 one. It's a stack of people rather than any level of pyramid. I think what I'd go for is is like yeah, and I'm 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 not entirely convinced by holacracy and flat structure either. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to put that out there. I think there are moments when that works specific to more project based stuff. Like yeah. we have a holocratic like way of doing this entirely flat for a program. For, for a project. I think that's okay. I think the hierarchy thing is more like this network of hierarchies so that actually you can have points of shallow hierarchy, shallow pyramids, so that there is checks and balances. There are people to talk to. You can't do stuff in isolation where appropriate. But actually, this little pyramid over here is networked into a bigger pyramid over here. It's about visibility of the workload. It's about trust. It's about letting decisions be made where the information sits, but having awareness and visibility. Then you touch on psychological safety. Then you touch on all of the roles and responsibilities. Then you touch on, are we all like headed in the same direction? Um, But actually, it's just all like flashing up at different points and it can happen concurrently. I think when when the hierarchy gets in the way is that yours might be the most important next decision, but you're fifth in the queue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas actually the one about painting the building, picking light bulbs, and the one about picking an accounting package, they both have a deadline of Friday. But it can't you can't you can't now put them in order because of somebody's really pinched time because they're focusing and trying to make sure everything's done in an order. Actually, what you need is is that those can happen at the same time. So that like dispersed thing. So having the appropriate structure that doesn't upend what you're trying to do, but it includes trust. And then it comes back down to more the principles of what we're doing. And did you do that with an understanding of the immensity of the sea? Or did you do that because, you, you know, it was the only choice available to you? So yeah. that's, where, that's where I'm at. It's, it, it's both and, like, not to the exclusion of anything else. Yeah. And that's another thing about, like, you know, doing this properly it will allow us absolutely to do that well. Because we'll go, right, the operational stuff, building, finance, HR, safeguarding, probably has some level of like structure and hierarchy that's very robust. Okay. Making that entirely flat can be wrong because you've got to have a, you've got to have some hierarchy. Someone is liable. But then, like on the other stuff that's going on, they can be much, much flatter. Song choices, um, you know, like purchasing of like tea and coffee those things it's like just did it happen do you know what i mean rather than like did it have to go all the way up and all the way down um how far wrong can you actually go with some of this stuff for it to like you know basically it comes down to could it actually just derail what we're doing could it actually cause us an issue if it won't cause you like a legal problem if it won't close your building if it won't turn people away then i think you can you can kind of let some of that go a bit so yeah, vertical structure hierarchy where it's just all the way up a chain and all the way back down a chain, as opposed to appropriate kind of like network of 
points that allows you to be more fluid with what you want to do. So yeah, yeah. I appreciate I, that. Yeah, the, con- the context there was good, Chris. Well, and, but the other part of it is, and the, maybe the flip of the of the coin here, the the other side of the coin here, is that you know does it does it matter what brand of coffee you buy? Uh, well, uh, you know, no, but but yes, you know, yes, it does. Now, should that go all the way up? No, it shouldn't. But uh, that, and that's where it's 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 working out trying to get things to the the right level. You know. I, it, it, it's not. It doesn't matter what brand that you buy, but it does matter that the coffee is excellent. That the, the coffee tastes excellent. That it is made in a really well, a good way. So there, there's these yeah. there's these um, guidelines that you. Can, so it doesn't. Does it matter if it's this brand or that brand? No. But the most important thing is, does it achieve this standard that we want to get to? Because otherwise, you know, you exactly. just go for the cheapest coffee. And I've had the cheapest coffee that you could never try. It was at my old old workplace and it tasted of smoky bacon crisps i had no, no lie it was coffee but it was not coffee and it would i mean it would it would you know you'd have to be i think you'd have to be not human to enjoy that kind of coffee so there are certain <laughs> things where you know um we want to make sure that we whilst we're delegating stuff down stuff really matters but the result of things really matters so is achieving what we want to achieve so the co- the brand of the coffee is not important. The quality of the coffee is important. Um, so those kind of things, it's making sure that all of those levels, because it's the it's those kind of details that that really do matter. Actually, you know, that you know, it's one of those things you think it doesn't matter about the quality of the coffee at your church, but it's the one thing that people complain about the most <laughs> when you when your coffee is awful. So how do you get that? How do you get that quality without micromanaging it and saying you know it's got to be this brand or that brand? And so that's where great leadership comes in. And um, there's a there's an old uh, phrase that that Andy Stanley says, which is you decide. So we want to try and get to a point where we're saying you decide but we want to achieve this. So you decide what will achieve this. And then we can talk about, did it achieve this? And, uh, and, and then that's the, um, that's the better way to lead. And it just, it just lifts off all, all that time. You now do not have to go through Costco or wherever looking for coffee beans or instant coffee or whatever. Uh, and, and that's actually time that you can save. If you're the one that's going to the, you know, the wholesalers to buy all the stuff, you know that could take you an hour, two hours of your time. What imagine what you could do in prayer and in strategy and in all, all those kind of things that would actually do way more for your church than than just setting clear, you know, setting set clear expectations and then allow someone else to go to Costco. I think that's probably what we're saying, and that's how a hierarchy works works best. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Go on then, Chris. Final point and round us out. Final one. Okay, I think what stops church leaders from focusing on the really important stuff is an inability to say no. I think that uh, naturally a lot of people are people pleasers, myself included. I think I'm a bit of a people pleaser. I'm trying to get better at it. I'm a recovering people pleaser because you just always want to say yes. And when you feel like you're saying no, you feel like you're letting someone down. And so you have this cognitive dissonance between I don't want to do this, but also if I don't do this, I'll feel guilty. So whether, you know, and you can insert whatever scenario you like into that. It could be a pastoral visit. You don't, you know, it's probably not right for you to be doing every single pastoral visit, but someone's made a request to you to come and you feel guilty if you don't go. And um, so that inability to say no is really 
a really big thing. I, I had to think of this recently with um, at my church. I was um, I was getting emails and phone calls at all times of the day about different things, and uh, and my good wife, who is much better at saying no than I am, uh, said, "Chris, you you just need to stop answering your phone and answering emails in you know a time that is not suitable." So I ended up. And I think this is why a good, you know, so the best way to say no is to have already made the decision beforehand. That's yeah. the best way you can do it. The best time management is when you've already pre-decided stuff it's because then it's it's out of your hands and that cognitive distance is, well, I would love to, but I have this. Uh, I, I would love to, but I have this. And so, um, so I'd recommend, you know, for church leaders, really take seriously um, good diary management because good diary management this is the the small bit of management that can that can affect a whole lot you know setting out of office replies for your emails that you to say I mean I now have one so this is one of the things that some my wife is a um a PA and so her job her job is to make people be organized and uh people who are very very busy and um and the first thing she said to me was Chris you need to set an out of office on your email because people will expect you to pick up your emails all all week all times of the week and in reality you can't do that because you've got loads of other things to do so i set an out of office to say i can only pick up my emails on these days so as soon as someone emails my church email they get an out of office to say i'll only pick it up on these days and uh straight away the phone calls stopped <laughs> literally that I haven't had a single one since because they know, and I even get people say, I know that your days are this day that you're going to be picking up your emails. So I've emailed you here. Or I've didn't, didn't decided not to call you. I just emailed you here. And it's just managing your time. It's way easier. Another thing you can do is, you know, if, if you're going to have pastoral visits, set a um, meeting schedule. We, we have a, and a shameless plug, book a free call with us. You can book a free call with me and Lee and talk about, thinking church and you can talk about membership and all these kind of things and facilitation um but we only have certain slots available and you can go to our website and you can book that go to w oh, i feel like I'm, i've gone into sales mode www.thinking.church um and you can book a free call but there's only certain slots available because we can't be available 24 hours a day seven days a week it's just not practical exactly. otherwise and we know that because we got it wrong and a whole bunch of people tried to book us because we had no boundaries yeah that's right so if you are going to do pastoral visits as a church as a church leader, you've got to you have to limit yourself to you know the amount that you'll do that's in yeah. line with it. You know, so say let's say you're really passionate about meeting people, then limit yourself to two or three a week or something like that. Or, you know, but get a good threshold. Keep the times well. And if someone wants to book in to meet you, there are certain slots. And if it's uh, if it's urgent, then there are you know there are other people, other organisations that can help, especially in the urgent stuff. And if it's someone just wants to catch up with you, then they can book that in. And if that means that they've got to book in for a month time, month's time, that's fine. And it's just being okay with your, your diary and using those kind of blocks on your diary to block out your time so that you can have time doing the most important things. I think we, we all recognize, uh, you, you know, that uh, in, uh, in our marriages, if we don't have, you know, if you don't block out a date night, something can creep in really easily. So it's something that me and my wife do. We block out a date night. It's on the calendar and it happens. And it's the same for a church leader with your, you know, vision setting time and prayer time and, uh, you know, block out the time for the most important things. And it says the no for you. There's no 
no better way to say no than have already said no. And the best way to also to say no is that you can say yes to a late at a later time. So uh, can you meet with me? Yes, but I can't meet with you this week. I can meet with you in three weeks time. That's that's okay to say that because you've got to find these times to be free. So I think this inability to say no, I think you can mitigate that with great systems. 100%. I am, I am with you. I like there we that. are. I'm going Free. to go and set an out of office. Setting an out of office is the best, is a very, very good thing you can do. It just Look, where, where, yeah, wearing the badge, like I used to be sort of like, uh, you know, that, you know, be radically available as if it was like a good thing. But what I didn't really mean was no, anytime, night or day. Like that's, that's not what I was saying. It was the, um, you know, well bounded access, meaning that if you need me, there is there 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 is slots. I because that's how I structure my week. I try to do it that Monday is my soft day of getting set up. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are my solid work days. Fridays I don't book meetings at all. Yeah. The reason being, if something then comes up that's an emergency at any point in the week, I can always chuck it to Friday. Yeah, and that's the the, the concept of margin, which uh, is is really important. And uh, yeah, having oh, margin. That's, that's right, Chris. Next podcast, let's get on this one. Margin, let's put that in. Yeah, yeah, margin. And yeah, I think I'd, I'd love to touch on some of this and even some of our favorite tools that we use and things that we do. Yeah, let's let's get into that. Uh, yeah, we'll get that in, get that into a for a later, uh, later episode. That's for sure. Lee, thank you so much for your time oh, this week. As amazing. always, loved it. Thank you yeah. so so much. Brilliant. And we will see you next week, everyone. Have a great week. Cheerio. Bye.